Pod save the king. Hello and welcome to Pod Save the King. I'm your host, Zoe Forsey, and I'm joined, as always, by our royal editor, Russell Myers. How are you, Russell? I'm very good. I feel a bit strange and we, we need to tell the listeners why. <laughs> we Russell and I have swapped places. So I'm working from home this week and Russell's in the office. So I'm looking at him through Zoom, sitting in my seat. It's I know. Very, it's I, know. Very I was about to say, <laughs> shall I do the intro? No, that's Zoe's job. And you uh, you will have to do the intro. I mean, I don't know whether we're coming or going. But this, this is this is not a good start. So get get the wheels back on the road. Immediately. Yes, it's, it's all thrown. It's all weird, and it shouldn't affect us as much as it has, but it clearly has. But, but I like it. Go. I'm just going to say, I like the. You know, I'm sitting in the the, the podcaster's host hostess with the mostess seat. I've got a lovely view of Canary Wharf, and you are uh, you are you're, you're taking a picture of me in the seat. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's. Well, there has been a busy week. Yes, so we finally had the launch of Kate's very exciting new project, which I feel has kind of been like rumbling along in the background and we've had hints of. So this is Shaping Us. So it's a new campaign to highlight the importance of early childhood and how it impacts our whole lives. Um, And the kind of the main centre of this is launching with a little video with a girl called Layla. And it's, is, is she kind of a, like a, like a wax figurine? I think it's an. It like, uh, it's like a. Do, like you, a do you remember Morph? You're you're probably not old uh, old yes. enough. You do remember. So Morph was sort of like this plasticine cartoony animation thing, and um, and uh, he went on certain adventures. And this is Layla. Layla is sort of a a, a wax work, if you will. I think is that probably that's probably a good uh, good interpretation. And she uh, sort of journeys through the early years from her mum's. You know, being a, uh, from the mother's pregnancy to becoming a newborn onto nursery. And basically we learn and share in the experiences that she has as a little girl um, through her early years into her you know, first five years of her life. And that is exactly and encompassing what they want this project to be. And I know you said it sort of, it has felt like a long t- time coming, hasn't it? Because we had the sort of pre-launch to the launch, then we had the launch, then we had the other launch. Because we had the stuff on uh, the open letter that Kate had written uh, talking about why she wanted to explore the early years. And of course, this isn't a new project. It's just sort of had a, had a bit of a revamp, I suppose. We've got a new Instagram page. We've got a new campaign. We've got new celebrity champions, as they're being called. And... Um, A couple of visits, we've had her going to Leeds, we've had her going to a school in East London, and it's all about discussing, I I suppose we haven't really got the objectives, which is one of the criticisms that's been labelled so far. Um, It isn't like, right, we're going to reinvent the wheel, and these are the five points about how we're going to reinvent the wheel, because I think... They they need to kind of keep it open-ended. They need to um, work out where the next three to five years' worth of projects are going to be. And I suppose that's a difficult task because it isn't like, um, you know, like, like Earthshot. We are going to have five big uh, categories and objectives of trying to save the planet. And these are the ones we're going to do. And these are the, uh, the campaign is going to be pegged to these objectives and aims and this is how it's going to roll for the next decade well it's a bit different to that because I suppose it's opening up a conversation and I was I was a little bit you know where 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 are we where are we going with this campaign and somebody expertly described it to me as though 
when the royals got involved in mental health, nobody was really talking about it. We're talking about, you know, 10 years ago, um, when they started talking about mental health, mental fitness, it really wasn't part of the public consciousness. There wasn't a conversation. And I always, I do actually, I don't really like that term, like striking up a conversation, developing. But it, it kind of it is true because they need people to start talking about it in order to then um, work out what is needed and work out what life-changing impacts they can have for different sections of society. Um, and so it is. The, the, they have to be baby steps, I suppose. But we, we, we see, I mean, it's been described to me as, um, as her life's work. I mean, one would imagine these, bro- these big projects when you're a royal have to be um, your life's work because you don't end up retiring, do you? It's, it, it, you end up doing this job for life, unfortunately, for, for some of them. But it's very worthy. I think it will make a difference um, and it will be something that they hope and I suppose we all hope that it can change the next generation of kids' lives for the better. And so, as we mentioned, she kind of launched this with not just one off event. We've had a whole week's worth of uh, events and things. So she started off by giving a speech at a BAFTA event. We then had kind of a video of her doing pieces to camera. Um, There was a nice promo video with lots of celeb pals in, wasn't there? I spotted Fern Cotton and Professor Green. Who else was in that? Was it Jax Jones? Jax Jones, Giovanna Fletcher. Um, Who, of course, you did the podcast with last year. Absolutely. So a few years yeah. ago, actually, now. Zara, so old pals. Zara McDermott. I mean, and the reason why these sort of eclectic bunch of um, celebs have been chosen is because not only do they have huge following, um, but they have uh, a kind of... Uh, role to play with not not necessarily the early years um, but definitely within the mental health sphere within uh, societal change I think you know Zara McDermott has spoken about um, abuse and revenge porn you have Professor Green who is very very eloquent about having children and becoming a father and changing your your life I suppose when you become a parent of having a fairly different upbringing himself brought up by his uh, by his grandmother and had um, issues with his own with his own um, parents his father had died early his mum I think I think had addiction issues I think but then you have sort of Fern Cotton who has spoken very very eloquently about mental health so it's bringing people together who are very famous faces have a big following and to try and bridge this gap of making this a huge societal issue because the reason why Kate has done it is because over the last 10 years she's met an awful lot of people who have been affected by homelessness mental health drink and alcohol addictions and the the real common denominator for a lot of people suffering in in that way through adolescence adolescence and through adulthood is their um their childhood and specifically the um effect it had on them of growing up in chaotic and often disruptive environments when they were kids so by addressing this whole notion of the early years are important it might seem pretty obvious to you or i who are really fortunate enough to grow up in a very stable environment but when that is taken away from you when that sort of foundation of your life is stripped bare it is the odds are stacked up against you, aren't you? So um, she's brought in a load of experts from people who are psychologists, people who are educational specialists. And through speaking to a lot of teacher friends of mine, they were actually really excited because it's very difficult to, to try and bridge the gap between uh, the royals and the... I mean, this is a political 
story. It is a political issue. We could talk to the cows come home about the fact that we have a Tory government that has stripped away um, educational standards and um, financial finances for schools that are being made to rob, beg and borrow um, supplies for kids that should just be should be there and they should have pastoral care and they should be able to flourish in an environment. I mean, Britain has the most expensive nursery care in the world. And I think what if we have any listeners from Norway, I think one of the, the, the numbers that was quoted to me was um, it's like 15 pounds a day. So what's that? $18 a day to send your child in Scandinavia to nursery care. So from the age of whatever, six months to the age of four before, before they go to school. In this country, you're looking at between 50 and 90 pounds, which is just absolutely extraordinary that we are expecting these children to um, be able to, or, or the families to not necessarily go to work all the time or, or pay these huge bills and to have this pressure from the moment a child is born. So there are so many issues that we obviously need to work through. Um, and I think this this will, like I said earlier, strike up a conversation. So best of luck to them. It's really exciting. And she also had a big day out in Leeds, uh, didn't she, to kind of when, you know, as part of the launch week of this. Uh, so she uh, took a trip to Kirkgate Market to kind of speak to vendors. She also spoke to university students who are studying childhood studies. She went to a lecture on childhood learning. She's really what I've kind of taken from this or kind of from what I've read about Kate in this is she's not just kind of being given a bit of paper and reading it and going, this sounds good. I'll put my name to it. This feels like something that she's been so interested to learn about you know she's constantly brings it up when she's at different engagements she'll you know for other causes she'll refer back to this work and you can tell it's something that she's really passionate about obviously but also that she's trying to take in as much as she can on this subject yes and that is true because some of the experts have have definitely said that they were very impressed with her knowledge I mean Kate isn't the most vivacious of people she still struggles with public speaking I mean if, you, if we were being critical, uh, her speech at BAFTA wasn't the best presentation. It was slightly nervous. There was a crowd of people who are obviously in the room that some were friends. There was media there. It was a big deal being at the, the BAFTA HQ. And she still struggles with that. But once you get her in a room full of, uh, whether it's a round table, I think she's definitely improved in the last few years. She's asking more questions, not necessarily just the whole you know, well, when um, and and what and what, what what do you do, or what what and what do you think? What, and she's actually being able to evolve um, her knowledge and present her own findings. I think is really important, and certainly the aides would say she does. She's very diligent. She does work hard. She's spoken about potentially wanting to go back to university, which I think would would help her cause if that was an open university uh, sort of stay at home uni course. I think that would be stand her in really good stead. But it's very interesting that she is well read, and for what she potentially lacks in the whole presentation, when you get her in those situations where she's sitting down with the school children, as we saw with this new video um, today, which has been launched on the new the new Instagram page and uh, and the Kensington Royal Twitter and Instagram, um, she's kind of in her element, and I think that that will stand her in good stead to try and work out what these kids and the families, especially from deprived areas around the country, what they will need. And then you look at the the survey that was done last year. This is an opportunity. I mean, it's buzzword central, isn't it? But it's like to make generational change, to try and 
open up conversations and to try and work out how other people surrounding children, whether they're parents, caregivers, uh, grandparents, other members of the family or people who are teachers um, or social workers, can actually support each other in nurturing these kids from the age of when they were born to five years old because they are the key moments that they want to address. And I think so, obviously, she the cute video of her today that you mentioned I thought was really lovely. And I like looking at those videos. You kind of talk about her public speaking. And I think her talking at that BAFTA event compared to her just camera on her when she was at a school, chatting to kids saying, you know, oh, I should have bought my teddy bear. I've forgotten it. Like, I think it's a really nice comparison of where she maybe feels more comfortable. But that's, you know, just to sit there with a group of kids, you know, chatting about this stuff. And I think that was really nice to see both sides of that scale Um, and one of the other little insights she gave when she was in Leeds wasn't it was uh, looking ahead to Valentine's Day next (laughs) gosh next week I know William's been thrown under the bus here because I I think (laughs) she was visiting a florist and uh, if I remember correctly one that the florist said you know obviously you'll be getting some some nice flowers some nice roses at Valentine's Day coming up on the 14th and uh, she pretty much poo-pooed the idea that she she said (laughs) I won't be get I won't be getting any of those but uh, she said love goes a long way which I thought was a rather nice sentiment maybe I'll maybe I'll tell my wife that that love love goes a long way rather than flowers and I'll see how far that gets me (laughs) I might not be here yeah I might not be here to tell the tale maybe the other boy did she did say no roses maybe it's because you know she's more of a a sunflowers girl or well, you, something like yes, that maybe exactly yeah or, let's give or, him i reckon give the benefit of the doubt yeah. i reckon he's a bit of a romantic somewhere now uh on to the rest of the week because there's a lot to talk about um we've had lots of engagements but before we kind of get to the ins and outs of where everyone's been this week i think we've seen pretty much all, all the royals this week actually but before we move on to that uh so kind of big news from australia uh who have announced that king charles will not appear on their new five dollar banknote so obviously they used to have the portrait of the queen but rather than replacing the queen with kind of you know something new for king charles they're going to be looking in a different direction well they have this has been in consultation over the last uh, few years with the uh, the australian government or the central bank it's called the, the country's reserve bank and they want to um pay tribute to the culture and history of the first Australians. And this is what the Reserve Bank said today, that the, um, in consultation with the first Australians, the native Australians, um, they wanted to, to go in a different direction. Now, this is very, very interesting because obviously there is a backdrop of uh, Republican movements across the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth realms such as uh, Jamaica, Antigua, Grenada. They've all sort of made noises um, um, saying in the last especially the last couple of years, but last few months, especially Antigua, were straight out the blocks after the Queen passed away to say, we are going to be making uh, moves to become a republic. Of course, following in the footsteps of Barbados that did um, become a republic in November 2021. And there is, the conversation is being made in Australia. Certainly, the Prime Minister made, uh, for the first time ever, I think, a minister, albeit a junior minister, for the Republic. And so what what does this mean? Does it mean that there is just more of a, gosh, we're using conversation quite a lot, but does it mean there's an opening up of this, this issue to a wider platform? Um, will it happen within Australia, Canada? I, I mean, I think in the Caribbean nations, certainly, there will be definitely countries such as Jamaica, 
um, and Antigua who want to do it in the next couple of years. So will it be kind of a domino effect? Now, all I can say is that I have had personal conversations with the king. Um, when we were in Barbados, I, I, I did have a conversation with him and he, and he did say, you know, we're, we're not here to... And this was when we were cut, sort of in Barbados and it was talking about the, the Republican handover ceremony, if you will. And... I mean, he, he pretty much said that we're not here to be rulers, we're here to be partners. And I think that's that's really important moving forward because certainly the king does not want to stand in any of those um, those countries' way if they want to choose their own destiny. And that is going to shape, I, I imagine, a large part of his reign because will it be a domino effect? Once one goes, will the others go? And um, it, it'll be very interesting to see how quickly... It happens whether Jamaica will be the first. I mean, it has hit a bit of a stumbling block recently. But if 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 the bigger nations, of course, by size, population, and and our uh, relationship with them, let's say Australia and Canada, do do decide to uh, to to, to sort of enlarge this um, this issue, this issue, I think it will be um, it will be very very interesting because it could create this whole legacy element of uh, of his reign. And so I what I thought what I also thought was quite interesting was that the portrait's actually the Queen's portrait has actually only been on the five dollar note since nineteen ninety two. So relatively speaking, in terms of her reign, it was quite a you know a, a newer addition uh, to the money. But her you know the portrait of her face will still be on coins uh, until the Royal Australian Mint uh, moves that to a portrait of the King later this year. So it's still you know the majority of their currency will still have the king's face on it, won't it? It's just the kind of... Yeah, just, just well, the, co- the, co- so, yeah, the coins are still going to have his uh, his face on it. However, I mean, I think that... So the last Australian Republic referendum was in 1999. Um, and so will they, have a new, will they have another referendum? I will say there is a huge um, support for the monarchy in Australia. I think... That I, please, if you are listening in Australia... Get in touch because my understanding, I do a, a bit of work for Australian networks. I think they still, the, the royal family is still revered in uh, in Australia and New Zealand. There's definitely a love for the monarchy, a love of that tradition. But of course, you know, we are in a different world now. The, the Queen is no longer with us. It's Charles's reign. Um, does he represent the same values as, as the late Queen did for such an incredible legacy that she uh, carved out and left behind it will be very difficult to have that argument so um I, I think i think it's very much a case of watch what happens because i'm sure the palace would say there's there's nothing to worry about it's all business as usual if those um, nations do want to choose their own destiny then we would support them but behind closed doors would it would it bother um would it bother the king that that this is happening under his watch I'm. I, I imagine it's not something they would lose sleep over, but it's a very interesting historical point, isn't it? It really is, and yeah, as you said, interesting to see what kind of happens with that in the longer term. Now, uh, back to events this week. So, obviously, we marked Holocaust Memorial Day 
end gosh yes start of this week uh, and the king and queen lit candles at buckingham palace to remember those who suffered during the holocaust now obviously it was last year wasn't it that charles commissioned that amazing set of portraits to kind of you know make sure that we are remembering these people and what they went through but this and so this year they met with a couple of uh, survivors didn't they to kind of you know hear their stories well, they did. And, and first of all, they met Dr. Martin Stern, who was uh, taken to a, to a concentration camp during the, the, the Second World War as a, as a young boy. And he has spoken very eloquently um, in the past about the Holocaust and, of course, what the Holocaust Memorial Day means to survivors, but also what it means to um, to, to, to the next generation. And I think that certainly the the king's words struck um me this time i'm just reading them now he said uh, i hope this will be one way of trying to remember all those people who had to suffer such horrors for so many years and still but also charles and camilla met with a woman called uh, amuna adam who was um a survivor of the genocide in Darfur, um Darfur in western sudan because they wanted to not only make this about the, the, the survivors for, for, from the Nazi concentration camps, but also the, the wider genocides. And I think that that's really important, that Charles has certainly used this as an opportunity to um, remember all victims of, of genocide. And I think that when we've heard him speak in the past, it's certainly very much at the forefront of his mind in, uh, in, in trying to represent many faiths and communities. I think we saw that for the first time when he spoke to the the nation, indeed the world, um, in his in his maiden speech. Again, we come back to these real core elements of unity, togetherness, being a representative of all faiths. And and that's quite an interesting point. Will we see that within his um his coronation as well? Because there's an awful lot of talk about whether he would say defender of the faith, defender of all faith. I think he'll stick to the script in terms of defender of the faith, but there will definitely be a, a big representation of many faiths um, who are represented throughout our society. Uh, but also I will mention outfit survivor Lily Ebert, who was awarded the MBE by King Charles himself uh, this week. And that was for services to the Holocaust Education Trust. And, and she has again spoke very very eloquently if you if you haven't seen her speaking after she received the mbe it is mind blowing because she she essentially says she had sworn to herself at the time that if she, if she was to survive this horror um from the nazis that she would dedicate her life to remembering the uh, the, the victims and also working with other survivors and of course um in her in her later years now that is something that uh, is, re- is remarkable and um certainly no uh, no less deserved than for for, for all her um for all her work there and as you said i think one of the things that i know that charles last year when he commissioned these portraits that i mentioned at the start was kind of working on the logic of it's very sad to say but as time moves on the survivors who can tell these accounts you know in in the future will not be with us and will not be able to remind us all about it. So it's kind of making sure that we are still reading these stories and making sure that nobody ever forgets what happened. Um, if you haven't already, the stories of both of these survivors that the King and Queen met on Holocaust Memorial Days are on the Royal Family's Instagram pages. And I would very much recommend that you go and read about them because they are uh, went through horrifying things and have both done amazing things since. Um Elsewhere this week, uh, the King and the Queen hosted a palace reception and you get to use your kind of, um, you know, 
collaborative working klaxon here, don't you? You've got the full the full gang. Full Monty, yeah. So who do we have? King, Queen, Anne, Edwards was there, Duke of Kent, Duchess of Gloucester, Princess Alexandra. We had everybody. And this was at a reception to celebrate East and South East Asian communities. Um, and I, I wasn't there, but I heard it was a bit of a, bit of a do. Everyone was having a jolly good time. And everybody um, was, uh, was on top form. Uh, all the senior roles at Buckingham Palace to pretty much to celebrate the the Lunar New Year, talking to uh, TV presenter and model Alexa Chung, who people will definitely um, know not only in the UK, I imagine uh, across across the world because she's a she's a pretty big star as Alexa Chung. Um, and speaking to fashion uh, designer John Rocker, CBE, um, and I think from what I gathered. Again, this is something uh, which has been in the diary for quite a while to bring different communities together and to celebrate their own individuality. I mean, we we had we've had it um, recently with uh, the Queen welcoming different communities uh, over the last few months to Buckingham Palace, and that is definitely something that's going to be happening right up towards the coronation and beyond. Now, Sophie was missing at that event. I thought she would be there because, you know, obviously Prince Edward was there, but she was didn't attend that one. But she did have a really fun day out of the farm, didn't she, as part of the uh, Addington Fund, uh, which she is patron of. Uh, and that I hadn't actually heard of this charity kind of before Sophie's work, but they support farmers and their families during times of crisis. Uh, so she visited a small dairy farm in Gloucestershire to kind of hear about the challenges they're facing. One of these kind of great, one of these moments where I think Sophie just looks so at ease you know she's got her wellies on she's got a big kind of barber style jacket on and she was feeding some calves wasn't feeding, she? Kind of feeding getting, calves. getting right in there getting getting her hands dirty uh, i mean a more serious point of uh definitely tackling the issues that farmers have to to make i mean have you been into a supermarket recently i and tried to buy eggs you cannot buy eggs in this country at the moment we talk about broken Britain. No, nobody can yep. get eggs, and the reason is because the supermarkets um, are farmers would tell you are basically uh, putting farmers to the wall and, and charging them more and not giving them enough money. And so there are real issues in this country. I imagine throughout Europe and the states because agriculture and dairy farmers are finding it very very hard to exist so really good that um sophie is kind to shine a light on what it means to be a farmer because i think when you live in a city it can be very very difficult to understand uh the rural way of life and that is definitely what the eddington fund this farming charity uh do talking about farmers what they're having to go through uh, talking about affordable housing for them, disaster relief as well in times of crisis. We've had some real major, major floods over the, across the UK at the moment. But um, yeah, good on Sophie. It was a really nice event, actually, and it felt a bit different, which was uh, nice to hear this week. Uh, Camilla has been at an event today as well, hasn't she? She visited the uh, Book Aid International's headquarters um, and helped complete a shipment destined for a public library in Rwanda. Now, this is actually a, a library that she visited when she was in, uh, when they were there last June. Um, they were there, I think, for the opening of a Commonwealth Leaders Summit, so she popped into the library. So it was nice kind of seeing her revisit something to do with that project i was there i was there in, in, uh, in kigali yeah and so and when then we went on to do something about literacy uh, at the end of last year with uh, with the queen consul and um, 
Shea Beatty speaking about the life-changing effects reading can have. And we've seen her speak at the Booker Prize before. We've seen her speaking about literacy. And you talk about early years development. This is something that's really, really key to children's well-being, I believe, because if you can get them interested in reading, then it helps their imagination and their uh, overall well-being and development and how they can think about problem solving and whatnot and if you get Camilla on the subject of uh, of books and libraries it's something that she is tremendously tremendously uh, passionate about and one of the charities that she's been working with is Book Aid International which sends more than a million uh, novels non-fiction books medical textbooks uh, and basically academic books to to all over the world and um if you if you haven't heard of them, they basically provide this little these little boxes which are called discovery book box, and they're basically a mini library in a box, and they can send different titles to different displaced people in countries all around the world. So if you haven't heard of them and want to get involved or donate, Book Aid International, and um, I think I'll just look something. Yeah, she yeah, that was it. She she took over as being the patron from the Duke of Edinburgh himself. So a very worthy charity that has had long established links with the royal family and uh, and no doubt it will continue with uh, with Camilla at the helm and just uh, I'm going to read out the quote that she gave uh, when she was speaking there today she said uh, I know the people and children who have seen these books and it's life-changing to be able to put pick up a book and to be able to read it a lot of them are in terrible situations it is a form of escapism it takes them to another world so it's you who are doing it. So thank you very much. So I just love that idea of kind of talking about, you know, it's, you know, people that are going through all sorts of dreadful Especially things. Especially kids, but to be able right? to, yeah, yeah, exactly. Definitely. To have kind of half an hour that you can pick up a book and just escape into that world, whatever it is, um, is is just is incredible. And, yeah. and like one of those really simple ideas that I think is, is extremely powerful and can hopefully do a lot of good. Um, elsewhere, Camilla had another outing this week, didn't she? So kind of a, a first since she got a, a very exciting title. Well, she's well, she did. She was uh, visiting the Grenadier Guards for the first time since being appointed the battalion's colonel. Um, this was uh, this came across in you know, if you, God, it seems like only yesterday, but it was in December last December. She basically became the the, the colonel of the battalion. Um, and she got to, to go and visit them. Um, she was presenting some medals, I saw, about 10 soldiers that she um, had uh, gone to visit. They were basically handpicked for their exceptional service whilst uh, deployed in Iraq last year. And uh, she got to meet a couple of soldiers who were honoured for their length of service as well. And this was at um, Lily Barracks in Aldershot in Hampshire. Um, and I, I think, you, I mean, we've seen a lot of Camilla at the moment, and it tells you a lot about her sort of breadth of the the job that she has at the moment. So domestic violence campaigning, literacy, talking about books for children, definitely has an early years development um, uh, sort of notion about that kind of her work as well. But also as a patron of, of the armed forces as well is something that really cements her role within the royal family, I think, because... That is obviously something that the royal family have um, have had in spades in the last uh, well, last couple of centuries, I suppose. And a lovely moment from this that I really enjoyed. Obviously, when she was there, and they they recreated a photo uh, that the late Prince Philip 
uh, had when he was in the position. So they all created it on the steps of the officer's mess. And she joked she was chatting to Second Lieutenant Archie Denison Smith. Um, and she kind of asked, why? Why are the junior people, you know, on the floor? Um, and they just said, we're recreating the photo. That's why we're doing it. We've not just put them on there. We want it to be exactly as it was, which I thought was I did uh, think really that. nice. And, I did think it yeah. was a little bit odd. But uh, thank you for the explanation. Because, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did wonder. That nod to tradition again, and the fact that she kind of did two two things from Philip this week, actually. I didn't really realise until they were next to each other on our plan here. But that's really nice, actually, isn't it? And making sure, obviously, there's lots of talk of keeping the Queen's legacy alive. But it's really nice to see that Philip's work is being continued as well. And very literally, in part, you know, in the point of making junior people sit on the floor for the sake of that. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it's good fun. Now, do we have anything interesting coming up next week? Or well, there's something I was just looking at is uh, Charles and Camilla are going to be uh, going to Brick Lane. And if you don't, if you're not aware of Brick Lane, it is not only the heart of the British Bangladeshi community, but it is probably the, well, I'm going to say something a bit controversial. It's probably, it's probably well, I'll say one of the best places you can get a curry in the UK because obviously we have <laughs> definitely in London def definitely in definitely London. Uh, shout out to Birmingham shout out to Manchester awful lot of other places certainly in the north as well but um, they are going to be doing that on Wednesday again talking about meeting charities businesses bringing them all together um, I suppose talking uh, also one of the messages is not only about celebrating those communities but definitely meeting people who are involved in anti-racism movements of the 60s and 70s and still doing that today. So, uh, I, again, I think much more of these smaller community events leading up to the coronation, bringing people together um, from all walks of life as well. And, uh, and, and something I think we may see over the next few weeks is sort of a drip feeding of information about the coronation because I thought it was quite interesting during the week that we saw um, one of the points which has been made of whether we will see the anointing of the king. I mean, it's something that we didn't see. The cameras cut away for it for the queen's uh, coronation. It's considered so sacred that she's essentially being anointed by God. She is the... I suppose the, the the human representative of God on earth, and that's it was considered so sacred that the the public should not see it. However, discussions about whether there will be a canopy, whether the cameras will cut away, whether there will be a transparent canopy, no canopy at all. I mean, literally, the list is endless. But I think it's rather fascinating about what will happen how much will we be able to see because I suppose um, the king does want to make it as accessible as possible um so yeah maybe give us a shout what do you want to see in the coronation didn't somebody oh, say yeah. didn't somebody's I, I love that um video um of these school children and somebody said what do you want to see the king do and somebody said do a cartwheel <laughs> <laughs> and maybe maybe we'll that. see him do a cartwheel you never know Excellent. I will second that request. I'm big, big fan of that. Um, lovely. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Russell. Thank you for everyone who has tuned in this week. As always, we are on social at PodSave on Twitter and on Instagram. And until next time. PodSave the King!